Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons, everything. I'm your host, as always, Ahmad Mia, partner at Caravan, a community-driven venture capital platform. Now, given the nascent ecosystem, there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them. Our mission at Caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages. You can find more information about Caravan at www.caravan.vc. In this episode, I sit down with Romana Abdullah, the co-founder and CEO of Hopscotch, a high-growth kidswear startup based out of Pakistan. So without further ado, let's get straight to Romana. I grew up in Karachi. I'm a you know, Pakistan girl, uh, went uh, to high school here in Karachi, and then uh, went abroad for my undergrad. So I went to Princeton, uh, did financial engineering there, and then uh, went to Harvard Business School, did my MBA there and spent a few years working a classic Pakistani-style investment banking and management consulting. In 2006, we came back and we settled in Lahore. My husband's family is from Lahore, so uh, this seemed to be the right spot for us to be. And I've been here for 14 years now. Um, I initially uh, worked uh, uh, at uh, MCB Bank. I was part of the management team. I was doing transformational strategy work for them. And the hypothesis was pretty simple. I'd moved to Pakistan because I wanted to start my own business, but I'd never worked in Pakistan. So I needed to get the on the ground working experience. You know, how does business get done here? What's the, what are political heat maps? How do relationships work? How is, you know, financing achieved, et cetera. And so um, I spent a few years working in the banking sector. And then uh, one uh, grand old day, I said, okay, I feel I've learned enough. I'm ready to dive. At that point, um, you know, I wish I could tell you that I'd been dreaming about kids clothing for all of my life, but that was really not the case. I uh, did a pretty strategic sort of consulting type landscape analysis. At that point, uh, we, we had a child and we did not really find clothing that we liked in Pakistan. And, uh, you know, it, it really was as simple as that. I said, Oh, I want to be in a business which is consumer driven, where I can get data fast. I want to see, be in a space which is creative. And, oh, I see that Pakistan's going to have a lot of kids being born. And uh, there seems to be a gap in the marketplace for me. Uh, and that was it. That's, that's, that's super interesting because, uh, see, there, there's a thesis where, like, how do you justify taking the risk of one coming from a market like North America, having all of these accolades that you've, you've, you've mustered up and, and you're doing, which, I mean, not everyone can say. Uske baad, coming back to Pakistan, or will be like not in your city, like, you know, being from Karachi, coming into Lahore, um, and going into a very, like a very lucrative career, right? Like banking is, is, is very sought after, like it's and especially at the levels that you were doing. How do you justify taking that risk 
to coming into entrepreneurship and, and getting, you know, starting from scratch all over again? You know, I think it really goes back to how you were raised and what you value in life. So I grew up in a Mayman family. I don't know if you're familiar with the Mayman community, but it's mm-hmm. a business financial community, mainly uh, based in Karachi. So I grew up in a business family where business and like the stock market were dinner table conversations. Uh, so I think I always had it in me, uh, in, in, you know, you know uh, in our household, starting a business is something more accolade worthy than doing a job potentially. So there never that, that risk of, oh, you know, uh, rosy roti versus risk yeah. was never really uh, too much of a debate in our household. But I, for me, the real aha moment happened when I was, I think, 21 and I was at Princeton senior year and I took this seminar on entrepreneurship. And it was this fantastic professor did HBS style case studies about all these startups that had grown and I think that was the moment where I was like, yes, this is who I want to be when I grow up. And, and that was really it. Um, I, I definitely obviously wanted my accolades and my resume and stuff. But for me, the whole uh, desire to create something of my own was very, very strong. It always was. And was I can say that now, despite all the, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about my experiences over the last six years, Professionally, I feel I've never been happier. So I obviously uh, am a little bit more of a risk taker than not. So that was and I can see kind of creating something. Yes. So it was not uh, that, oh, I was obsessed with an idea since childhood and I wanted to execute on it. I was always just interested of, in creating something of my own and then making it hopefully into a successful venture. Uh, Jabab, I was... And at that point where you were like, okay, now I'm going to start this. Was it difficult to convince people of your idea? Well, so I think it was difficult to convince myself to jump. And Which I think the most difficult person to convince. Yes. <laughs> you convince yourself. Right. right. So, you know, at this point I'm in my mid thirties. And all my life, I've been in the business of giving advice. I've done investment banking at Merrill Lynch. I've done management consulting at Boston Consulting Group. I've given advice to people. I've never taken the risk. I've been on the peripheries telling people how to think about their business. Suddenly, I'm in the position of saying, okay, well, I want to do a business. And the consulting brain takes over, right? So this was obviously not the only opportunity I looked at. I mean, I did look, we looked at 10 opportunities, we did focus groups, we thought about it, and it almost came to a point where, uh, you know, it was sort of analysis overkill, right? So for me to convince myself to say, okay, screw it, you need to jump now was that very important point. And I remember it happened when my brother-in-law, who unfortunately has passed away now, he one day sat me down and he said, you've been in this thinking analytical mode for a while. If you don't make a decision soon, you'll never do anything. And I think that just like woke me up. <laughs> and at that, that point, I was looking closely at kids where and I was like, screw this, we'll jump and then we'll see what happens. And that's, that's awesome. exactly what we did. And we haven't looked back. But so it was more convincing myself, right? Then obviously, once we started, there always are naysayers, right? So uh, I had one uncle say to me, because technically, 
so that's what I'm doing, right? Yeah. The business is at the oldest time. I'm setting up a dukan and I'm selling bachon ke kapde. Yeah. That's an ancient business model. There's nothing new about it, honestly. Right? It's a simple transaction. Okay, mediums are different. Fundamentals are the same, right? Yeah. And so I was like, exactly? And you're saying this to me now? But you know, when I'm at hundreds of stores, you look at me different, uncle. And then you're no longer a dukandar. Then you're like a brand, I guess. But uh, so obviously, uh, there are naysayers everywhere. And if you are passionate about what you do, and if you're focused, then you just have to find a way to wash it off your back, right? Awesome. And move on. I, this is amazing. Um, Romana, a question now about, so how do you get to the first thousand customers, like analysis over paralysis, to and now you've decided mm-hmm. that you're going to do this. How do you get your first thousand customers for Upscore? <clears throat> Okay, so uh, we started about six years ago, right? And we said, we're going to do uh, kids' clothing. We're going to do everything from design, uh, contract manufacturing to selling from our own network. So we decided consciously not to go the wholesale route because we wanted to create a brand because that's where you have control and that's where you can have strong customer communication. Now, at that point, we also decided that Pakistan was not ready for an online-only brand, right? For a monoline brand, right? Because Which we were just I don't doing think kids. It still stuff. is, but yeah. yeah. That's and so we were like, you know, we need to go both. We need to go by modal. And so we said, okay, we're going to open two stores. We're going to launch our website. And then we're going to do every kind of marketing that exists. Again, at that point, right? There was obviously there was digital media and it was growing, but billboards were still a big thing six years ago, right? So we did all of that. We did events, we did billboards, we did flyers, we did SMS, we did social media, we did radio, we did coupons, we did everything you can think of. And then we obviously monitored it very closely to see which was giving us ROI, even though I guess with a billboard, you can't get an exact ROI, right? That you can with digital marketing. Uh, And that was it. We said, we're in here and we're here to stay and we're here to win. And you know, we're going to spend quite a bit up front and make a loss just so that we can build our awareness fast and get those thousand customers in. So there was a lot of uh, marketing work that went into it as well as having the storefronts. And then I think within the next six months, we had like three or four more. So we just said, we're in here, to, we're here for the long term. We're going to play to win. And, you know, not take defeat or whatever, which I don't know if it was sensible or not, but that was, it seemed to us the only way to do it in the kind of business we were. It's, it's, it's interesting that you speak about that because I mean, just before we were recording, we were having this conversation of of Pakistan being a different kind of market. And, and I love the insight that you said that I don't, that you thought that Pakistan was not ready for a digital only brand, which we are seeing everywhere, like the likes of Allbirds and and these kinds of brands that are popping up that are Warby Parkers or Caspers that are e-commerce only. And then now though, what's interesting is they're giving experiences offline. So it's, and, and like my background in retail as well, like has, has really taught me how, I mean, I think if you look at the future, what I see is your retail will be your touch point for engaging the customer to build that brand and to build that direct relationship. They can have to do transaction, transaction to monetize, which again, it's going to go online. But yeah. that retail yeah. store, mm-hmm. that the yeah, connection so, no, that you build. Absolutely, right. And, but here's the thing. It's because the, the economic reality of running a business in the US or India or China is very different. 
there real estate is incredibly expensive yeah. so for a startup to say ki main do dukane you know union square mein ya times square mein ya whatever kholungi ya kholunga like it's 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 ludicrous and that's why online it became online centric first for new brands to test themselves in pakistan yes i think real estate rents are still expensive but not relative to the west so you could still make a bricks and mortar play work while uh, building e-commerce at the same time with the mindset that you can switch on and off yeah as needed right so now this uh, you know with covid right so up till now honestly sure e-commerce has been growing but not to the level it should have grown it's honestly it's been pretty pathetic growth yeah. for pakistan and it's because maybe uh, enough marketing dollars have not been spent on the pakistani awam to educate them right the way amazon spends like billions of rupees dollars right you know there are sure has spent a chunk of cash so have other brands but yeah. not to the tune no. that you would convert an entire awam uh, onto e-commerce uh, but what we see i think with covid right that became sort of that extraneous factor that basically pushed people to go online and the thing with online is once you experience the convenience of it you get hooked yeah and i feel that's happened finally now in pakistan so i do see that online will like skyrocket is skyrocketing and will skyrocket from now on and maybe there's a possibility of creating an online only brand now that maybe you know 2 3 years ago did not exist obviously when i say online brand i mean like a monoline narrow play yeah. not a not an omni channel approach that's more like a digital only approach of course now on that tune i think one of my main concerns about going pakistan going online is is you need digital payments you need payments to be done online and i think drop baat kar rahi hai where like amazon was like okay you have to pay pre you get your delivery i think that culture shift needs to happen in pakistan because pakistan abhi bhi cash on delivery mein bahut chalti hai cheeze and the risk that okay, the... i have a very contrary view to this by the Tell way me. i absolutely agree that towards uh, when we go towards a sort of uh, you know a 223x point of where the market is today it will become mission critical it absolutely has to happen yeah. digital payment right but the fact of the matter is that it will five years ago and maybe 10 years ago for china the their economies were predominantly cash on delivery also and the market sizes the e-spy size of the e-commerce space was still huge like hundreds of times what we have today so wo problem aana hai but i don't think that's the reason why e-commerce has not grown fast interesting okay so you think it's just the adoption ke logo ne kara nahi experience the problem is the adoption and honestly to get the adoption going the cash on delivery model is better because it gives people trust yeah, part trust, of the problem yeah, that e-commerce has been okay there have been so many of these tele you know tell uh, te- uh, te- uh, tele shows etc which says oh ye sone ka haar khareed le sirf 200 rupees <laughs> i don't know pital ka there is so much to distrust and we experience that right when we when we started out and periodically whenever we've done these surveys a lot of people say that we don't trust e-commerce right and the way yeah. to build that trust is to say theek hai aap paise na de till you get the product in your hand right uh, so the, the the digital payment has to happen but i do not think that's what's precluding the growth of e-commerce right now or even for the next 5 to 10 that's years. fascinating i actually agree with yeah, you i'm the only one who's saying this by the way <laughs> no that's that's fascinating <laughs> 
So, Acha, Romana, coming back to this, tell me a little bit about the investing that you do as well. And then I'm going to come about a period in your life. But I want to know about, have you made an, you've made an angel investments as well, right? Uh, so I've made one angel investment and I do periodically look at investments and I do a decent amount of mentorship and um, even uh, uh, I even sit on panels where uh, you are evaluating uh, startups. So how, how do you see this market and the, the quality of, of companies that you're looking at um, with your lens? Has it changed in the last, let's say, three to four years? Have they matured? Have they, do they, is there a better understanding of how to do business, of how to go about starting a company? So I think there is a improvement in quality uh, in terms of ideas and in terms of just putting together a cohesive idea. I still feel a vast majority of things are me too's and nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, we need the me too's yeah. um, to, to create a successful uh, ecosystem here. Uh, so more e more more me too's fewer in more innovative place. What I feel um, that is that a lot of the entrepreneurs that pitch are first time entrepreneurs, right? So they haven't had the experience of running a business either successfully or unsuccessfully. Yeah. So they are. So the idea is there, but a successful business is more than just a successful idea, right? Execution. It's about business processes it's about execution it's about being leadership it's about thinking really hard about HR and I feel all those things are still like they're still work in progress partly because you need experience to learn those things and then become a better manager or a better leader or CEO so I think we're still, still so we're still not there in terms of the quality of execution and that's what makes or breaks uh, a startup, unless you create, you have an idea which completely very beautifully segues into a broader international trend, right? Like mass transit, right? It's a perfect idea to start do a startup there because your goal is necessary is to get it funded fast and then get it exited fast for a bigger yeah. player, right? Now that kind of play is very different because there you can raise crazy amounts of money and their operational efficiency and execution matters, but not as much because you're doing a hyper growth play, right? But for most other businesses, especially in a country like Pakistan, we can't grow for the sake of growth because we don't know when the exits come. We don't Completely. know when the next exits come. Sustainability you needs to be built into the model. You need to build a good business. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of learning to be had where there are good businesses. Awesome. Uh, uh, so, work in progress. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, tell me about the most difficult or the most reward, the most rewarding period in your journey so far. Oh, <laughs> you know, for an entrepreneur, that's a moving target, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, the best day is when uh, you wake up and you see a really nice affirmation from a customer on your customer care email, right? Yeah. And the worst day is you wake up and someone's given you a gully because, oh, <laughs> by mistake, you got the wrong package and they think you're out to fraud them, which is the problem with Pakistan. We're such, like, we've been treated generally as Pakistanis. Coming we've back to that trust issue, no? Yeah. Yes. 
uh, we've been treated so badly by everyone yeah. that our trust levels are hugely low. So if something happens people actually think you're doing it purposely to screw purposely, them over. Yeah, yeah. Which is really sad, I feel. And I think I also now, after living here again for 14 years, have the same mentality. I'm like, when <laughs> might not necessarily be the case, it's sometimes there are honest mistakes. Anyway, so the point I'm making is that, uh, you know, the life of an entrepreneur is a little bit of a roller coaster, right? There are sort of highlights and yeah. sort of, many bad days uh the uh, sort of the highlights um we um so we, we've seen in the last two years a like a huge growth and partly you know it's partly it's better operations etc cetera, etc cetera, network and so on but i think partly it is that the brand has finally clicked right? There's a time needed for awareness to happen. The word of mouth, the yeah. digital marketing, all the things you're doing to for start, it to sort actually. of come together, amalgamate and come together in sort of someone who's walking down the street's mind. And I think that the answer to that is a good three to four years. Again, unless you're going hyper growth, hyper money, like spending crazy, crazy amounts. And, and just... yeah. So if you're not doing that, if you're running like a fairly reasonable business, then there, it takes time. It just takes time. You can't, you, you can't overshoot it without excess money. And I think for the last two years, I, I remember, uh, I don't remember what month it was, but suddenly, you know, we looked at the month's figures and relative to the, the, the last year, same time, et cetera, there was like this uh, phenomenal growth. And we were like, yes, finally, we are there. And, you know, it, there was that recognition of, I think in Pakistan they say if you can survive five years, then people think that you're real. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Right. Um, so that I think has been very satisfying when you know you. So this morning I I went on some social media uh, website where uh, where uh, somebody had asked, oh, what are the best kids clothing brands online because I'm desperate and you're in lockdown, I need clothes. And multiple people had written hopscotch. Nice. And that just felt really, really good because we've also grappled with problems. It's not like we're perfect and you know we don't have pains of growth and pains of lockdown. But to hear people say that it just kind of makes your day, you know. And that you've that, been that's doing what the right thing that you've been you, you've been, what you've been building with say, say Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That validation I think has been uh, incredibly satisfying uh, but hey by no means done yet lots to do awesome that's amazing last question for you Ramana um, I know this has been long um, if you could describe three of the most important lessons that you've learned in your journey so far okay uh, the first one is uh, this is not a hundred meter race it's a marathon and I think most of us entrepreneurs forget that because you know you're passionate about the idea you have all these big dreams and you think and I, same thing with me you know when I wrote the first business plan I was like you know two years this will be done it will be this phenomenal thing and I will be starting my next business you know now like you know five years on six years on I'm like oh I'm still building I'm still building right um and I think what that does is when you run really full steam ahead the first couple of years, which obviously you have to, 
without realizing that, oh, those two years could be five or 10 or whatever, you start running out of steam. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through the whole uh, burnout yeah. uh, sort of thing. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I feel burnt out a lot because you need to manage it. You need to manage your lifestyle. You need to manage the stress. You know, again, as an entrepreneur, or maybe this might be my personality, I want to just solve the problems now. But some problems are not solvable at 2 a.m. in the morning. Like you cannot not sleep because, oh, you're trying to solve a problem in your head. Just learning that discipline of saying that some things take time. And I, uh, I think that's, that to me, that has been a very uh, important thing that it had, honestly had not occurred to me. Uh, second learning that in Pakistan, if you run a business, you have to be incredibly operational uh, oriented. Uh, you cannot be the sort of, I'm the creative leader, I'm the thinker, I'm the strategy person. You need to be the, yes, I'm the strategy person, but I'm going to go deep down each and every function and vertical and really understand what's happening on the ground. Because delegating is easy, but having things run properly is not in this country. And people have their own understanding of what is acceptable, yeah. what is acceptable level of service, what is an acceptable level of, you know, packing a box, what is an acceptable level of, uh, you know, exchanging, uh, uh, you know, for a claim, right? Uh, you need to get down there and be there to design the processes. So, um, you know, so that, that's been a phenomenal learning for me. The, the third one is that, again, in Pakistan, I think people have very different moral codes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the ethical standards vary. They vary so much. So going into business with someone, uh, be it employees, be it partners, be it vendors, be it customers, with the expectation that they have the same moral code as you is, um, is silly. So you need to just be aware that people are out there uh, to, uh, uh, you know, either they will disagree with you or they're out there to screw you. And so you better be on your toes all the time. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any comments, your feedback, please do send them my way. My direct email address is amad at caravan.vc. Or information on our website, which is www.caravan.vc or on Instagram. Um, our handle is at caravan.vc. Until next time, khudafiz. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 